You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Experiences Unexplained. My name is Jesse Clark, and I am the host of this show. What happens when we die? Ironically, one of life's greatest mysteries is what happens once life is actually over. Pretty much every major religion throughout the world has their own theory on what happens when life is over. Christians believe in heaven and hell, and depending on how you live your life, that determines on whether God sends you to heaven or to hell. In Hinduism, they believe that we reincarnate from one life to the next until you reach a certain state of enlightenment known as moksha. And then once you reach that certain state of enlightenment, you actually break that rebirth cycle and reach the final step known as ioka which is their version of heaven, and some religions believe in no afterlife at all. So what actually happens when we die? Do we get sent to this magical paradise known as heaven as long as we live a good life here on earth? Or is there a hell for those who don't live a godly life on earth? Or is there nothing at all? When we die, do the lights just turn off and there's darkness, nothingness? This is a question that has been raised for centuries. Throughout history, you can find stories and drawings and paintings about the afterlife and what comes when the lights finally turn off. For most people, when we take our final breath, that's it. We don't come back. You don't get to ask questions. You never see those people alive again. But a very select few have actually been resuscitated from death and come back with some amazing stories about what they experienced while they were clinically dead.
Are these people actually experiencing an afterlife? Or is this some kind of chemical reaction in the brain that's making them hallucinate and make them perceive that they are actually in a place that's like heaven? Well, in tonight's episode, that's exactly what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to share with you some stories from people who have had these near-death experiences, or also known as NDEs. So without further ado, let's get to this very first story. Now, while I was researching near-death experiences, I actually came across a website that is known as the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. And I will leave a link to this website down in the show notes, but... I literally spent most of my day yesterday reading submissions of these near-death experience stories. And on this website, it's pretty amazing. There's nearly 5,000 stories that have been submitted, and they're all archived. You could literally spend days reading these experiences. This first near-death experience was submitted by a man named Emmanuel, and the event actually occurred on October 6th of 2018 at around 3 a.m. My experience took place a little over three months ago. During this period, I was definitely agnostic in the sense that I didn't think about God. Although my family is Catholic, I felt that there was nothing that bound me to that religion. But everything changed on the night of October 6, 2018. I view my experience as something extraordinary which has changed my life forever. That night, I went to sleep as usual, but suddenly, I woke up to a strong earthquake tremor. The entire family woke up and got ready to get out of the house if necessary. The tremors passed, and we were all able to go back to bed, but I could hardly walk from the fright. But eventually, I managed to get back to my room. Once I got back into bed, I began to shake because I was terrified at the large light that was above my bed and I thought that it would fall and crush me. Suddenly, I began to feel a searing pain in my chest that took my breath away. The pain was so overwhelming that I lost consciousness. My parents were too far away and in another room so they did not hear my suffocated cries for help. As I lost consciousness, I realized that I was still completely lucid and aware of what was going on. I began to feel a huge sensation of lightness and peace. My senses were awake. I turned around indistinctively, and to my great surprise, I saw my body still lying on the bed with my eyes shut. It was at this time that I understood that I was actually outside of my body. At first, I thought I had died. Then I remembered having read about out-of-body experiences and convinced myself that that was what was happening to me. Only afterwards, I had realized that I had actually suffered from cardiac arrest. Taking advantage of the fact that nobody could see me, I began to wander around on the astral plane. I wandered into friends' houses and relatives' houses out of pure curiosity. At a certain point, I heard a voice that came from deep inside of me, compelling me to go towards the sky. I intuitively went towards the stars. Before me unfolded a scene that I had never seen in my whole life. 
I saw dazzling, beautiful lights in so many colors, among which were white, pink, and gold mixed together. There was no tunnel. These marvelous lights filled the entire sky. I wanted to go towards the lights, but I was blocked by a collective presence. I couldn't see these otherworldly beings, but I could feel their presence. I instinctively knew that this collective presence was God. I wondered, how is this possible given during this time I didn't even believe in God? My train of thought was interrupted when one of these divine beings communicated with me telepathically, and their message was this, You and I are one and the same. No one is separated from anyone. But before I even had time to process this, light started coming towards me. I knew it was different from the other lights as it immersed me in its purity. I felt an overwhelming sensation of absolute peace. The light was dazzling, but it didn't blind me. While bathing in the total peace, divine images started to appear before me. I don't know how to explain this in our language, but I knew it was my spirit. I was being shown my life from the moment of my birth. Before I was born... I existed as God, the Omnipotent Father, and then I was split from God to come to earth. The purpose of this division has always been for spiritual advancement. Furthermore, I knew that the true objective of incarnation is to express our true essence, i.e. God the Father. I also saw that one day we would all unite as one God without ever losing our individuality. I knew that no hell or destiny exists. In fact, as God, we are all able to create our own lives according to the emotions that we feel. There are no limits to the wishes that we can fulfill, and this too forms a part of our spiritual development. Moreover, our beliefs create our reality. To the extent that we can manifest the divine on the astral plane. This always comes from within, as we are the only true God. It's not that we represent one small part of the divine, but that we all are the Almighty in its whole, because this can never be divided. After seeing these visions, I return to my body and have retained all of this knowledge. And that concludes Emmanuel's story. And there are several components of the story that make this an amazing experience. One of these components being that Emmanuel didn't consider himself to be religious at the time of this experience. In fact, he even claimed to be agnostic at the time because he had no feelings towards God. According to most religious beliefs, if you are not spiritual and you do not believe in God, you will not make it into heaven. In fact, most religions would consider Emmanuel to be guaranteed to go to hell. But this isn't what Emmanuel experienced. He experienced quite the opposite. And in fact, he even said he gained the knowledge that this place that was considered to be hell didn't even exist in the afterlife. Emmanuel even goes as far to say despite him being agnostic, he saw that before he was born, he was actually part of God. 
and he was divided from God when he was born to be put here on earth. Now, when I read this story yesterday, it made me think of a French philosopher known as Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, and he actually had a theory that we are not human beings having a spiritual experience, but that we are actually spiritual beings looking for a human experience. And this was kind of controversial at the time, especially since he himself was a priest. This goes against most religious beliefs. We are taught that we are human and we act in the flesh and we are trying to become more godlike and act more like God. But Emmanuel's near-death experience actually supports Father Pierre's philosophy in that we are a piece of God and we are sent here just to have a human experience. And we learn things here on earth that we can only learn by going through the human experience. Overall, Emmanuel's story is pretty amazing. And I spent a good chunk of yesterday reading many, many different near-death experience stories. And I have to say that his story includes a lot of the same elements that these other stories also included. There seems to be a repeating trend of coming out of your body and seeing your body kind of from a bird's eye view. And then people also seem to be able to travel along the plane to different rooms, different buildings, different houses all around the world. And then shortly after, they see lots of different color, and sometimes they see a tunnel, but Emmanuel said he did not see a tunnel, but the colors filled the entire sky, and then he went towards the sky. Another common factor of these near-death experiences is they are greeted by several different otherworldly beings that Emmanuel said collectively he knew was actually God. He said he couldn't see these beings, but he felt their presence and he knew they were there. This is a common element of a lot of these near-death experience stories. And another common element of these near-death experience stories is that once the people return back to their body, their outlook on life is completely changed. Emmanuel said that He was agnostic at the time of this near-death experience, but after he came back to life, he ultimately became more religious and changed the way he lived his life. So what's going on with these near-death experiences? Is this simply just a dream that people are having while they're unconscious? And if they are clinically dead and there's no blood flowing to the brain, how are they having these dreams, and better yet, How are they remembering these dreams once they come back to life? You know, memory is something that is stored in the brain, and if there's no oxygen or blood flowing to the brain, how are these people remembering these vivid images and details of their experience on the other side? Let's take a look at another one of these near-death experiences. This next near-death experience was submitted by a woman named Ashley And the near-death experience actually occurred on October 31st, 1989. It was nearly 28 years ago when I had my near-death experience. I was 12 years old and in junior high school. I had an accident at a school function and was accidentally hung by a rope around my neck. I was alone at the time of the accident 
and I remember looking for something to stand on or something to pull myself up. I was frantic. Then I remember looking at myself from an outside perspective. The next thing I saw was a bright, loving light. It looked like a million light bulbs close together forming one huge, loving light. I went towards it and was pulled through to a place where I remember feeling peace and love beyond measure. I was then welcomed by so many people I knew and loved. Some were people I knew only in heaven before coming to earth. The love and happiness was so strong. I don't remember seeing bodies, only energies or auras. We communicated telepathically. They were surprised I was there so soon. Then I was shown a spirit guide who led me to a building that had Greek columns out in front. It was a massive building. Then I was brought to a room full of other people and their spirit guides. Each of us were standing around something like a circular table. It had a dome in the center of the table. I looked into the dome and started to review my life. I could witness and experience my life from many different perspectives. I felt what others felt from my actions, from their point of view. It was hard to go through, but I knew it was to learn and grow from my time on earth. I remember hearing others cry, laugh, and other things because of what they did on earth. My spirit guide told me it was okay and that we are all loved. This was not a judgment. I was told that we all learn best by experiencing it ourselves. God does not judge us. We are all learning beings. The hardest part of judgment comes from filling our lives from so many different perspectives. My spirit guide told me I could take as long as I wanted because this review was to learn and to gain empathy. Then I was taken to a room where the energies that had a really hard time with the life review were put to sleep to recover and to heal. They were surrounded by a loving white light. I was shown a place where everyone has a preset life on record, chosen by us. I was shown my life path. Reincarnation is real, but it's our choice to incarnate. We do so to learn and to grow. God is love. We are sent to earth to love and to be loved unconditionally. Heaven looks just like earth, and it's unbelievably beautiful. I could travel anywhere just by thinking about it. Time doesn't exist in heaven. We're all beautifully and wonderfully made. The image of God is the emotion, energy of love. I was then told that I would need to come back to earth. I did not want to come back, and I fought it. But I was told my mission was to speak to the world about my experience and to teach that God is love and our purpose here is to show love and kindness to everyone. Heaven is real. The next thing I knew, I was on the ground being given CPR. For months later, I remember being depressed because I wanted to go back. I have only shared this experience with only a handful of people. However, I'm feeling the pull to share my story. It's difficult because I'm a teacher and I live in a very conservative area. Many things that I experienced even go against my Christian religion. I do not hold all the answers, 
I believe that there is a God, and I cannot deny the existence of heaven. I believe that whatever I believe, if it resonates with me and helps demonstrate love to others and gives me peace, then that is my truth. I can have bits and pieces of what I personally experience in a near-death experience and still find peace going to church or hiking in the mountains. It's my connection to God's love that matters. I have been highly sensitive to incandescent lights and loud sounds since my near-death experience. I also find myself to be highly empathetic, and it seems all my senses were extremely heightened since my experience. I'm not sure why I remember so much from my near-death experience. I feel blessed to not fear death. I know we are all here for a purpose, and I am more aware of my actions and behavior towards others. I try to show kindness and love to others. Life is a constant work in progress. I know that God is love, and heaven is real, and I hope that this gives some of you some comfort, and thank you for letting me share. And I want to thank Ashley for sharing this experience on the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation website. It truly is another amazing near-death experience story. And again, her story had very similar components to many other near-death experiences that I have read about. For example, she was greeted by these beings that had no bodies, but they communed telepathically. And she also talked about that she knew some of these beings from being in heaven before. So this also relates to Emmanuel's story of knowing that he was in heaven before he was born, and he simply had just returned after he died, which further supports the philosophy that we are not human beings looking for a spiritual experience, but quite the opposite of being spiritual beings wanting the human experience. And just like Emmanuel saying that his life changed and his outlook on life had changed after his near-death experience, Ashley said she felt more empathetic and more loving towards others. And honestly, I think that's really beautiful and it's something that we could definitely use more of in this world today. But what's really going on during these near-death experiences? Are these people actually traveling to the heavens and experiencing these things on a astral plane? Or is this simply just a chemical effect in their brain once they die? This is something that scientists have been researching for quite some time. There have been studies that found that before a heart enters ventricular fibrillation, the brain released a wide variety of chemicals, including dopamine, which makes us feel pleasure, as well as the chemical known as norepinephrine, which increases alertness. Together, this brain chemical cocktail could explain the sense of peace and calmness that many people who have had near-death experiences describe. Another common near-death experience symptom is when people have tunnel vision and see a bright white light at the end of that tunnel. And this symptom can actually have a simpler scientific explanation. A 2010 study of 11 cardiac arrest patients who had reported near-death experiences found that many of those patients had high levels of carbon dioxide in their blood, which may indicate oxygen deprivation 
a state that has been known to lead to the sensation of moving towards a glowing white light. While there have been no definitive studies on the phenomenon as it relates to near-death experiences, many scientists believe that tunnel vision, which occurs when blood and oxygen flow are restricted and the eyes begin to fail, could be the real cause behind that glowing passage to whatever afterlife you believe in. Now, this may explain some of the symptoms such as feeling love and seeing light, but how do you explain people being able to travel around the world and visit people's homes and give accurate recollections of what was going on at the time of the near-death experience? There have been many instances where people have died on operating tables during surgery and they appear above their bodies and they can tell exactly what was going on in the operating room and even in other rooms in the hospital like the waiting room with their family. There have been many instances where the patient dies on the operating table but they can tell exactly what was said at the moment of their death and which doctors were standing where in the operating room and what exactly was going on while they were clinically dead. I did quite a bit of research for the preparation of this episode, and I could not find a logical explanation for this. How are these people recollecting things that they should have no idea about? They were clinically dead, no oxygen or blood going to their brain, and yet they know exactly what was going on. I really can't think of any other explanation other than their spirit leaving their body and observing what was happening in the operating room. I would like to share one more near-death experience with you, and it's honestly probably the most profound that I came across, but before I do, I would like to make a few announcements. If you have been a regular listener of the show up to this point, then you know that there's really no paranormal or strange topic that's off the table. You can literally submit a story about any strange experience that you've had. If you've experienced a near-death experience or anything other strange or paranormal experience that you would like to have featured on the show, you can submit your story by calling 1-270-290-0900. All you have to do is leave a voicemail on that hotline number, and that voicemail is recorded and can be featured on the show. And if you would prefer to submit your story in a different way, you can visit experiencesunexplained.com and click on the Submit Your Experience tab. Here you will find other methods of submitting your story. On our website, you can also find a page that's titled Donate. If you don't have a story but you would still like to support the show, or if you're enjoying the show so far and you want to help it grow, you can choose a custom amount Whatever amount you want to donate, everything helps, and you can also choose whether or not to make this a one-time donation or make it a reoccurring monthly donation. Anything that you can donate will go a long way to help support the show. And one last announcement, I've finally started to get around to converting some of the older episodes over to video and making it available on YouTube. I still need to add quite a few of the older episodes to the YouTube channel, but the previous two episodes are now available on YouTube, as well as this episode will be available as soon as it launches. 
So feel free to take a peek at the show notes and subscribe to our YouTube channel, or you can find a link to our YouTube channel on our website at experiencesunexplained.com. Now for this last amazing near-death experience. And something that makes this next story so credible is that the person that this near-death experience happened to was actually a doctor, and she was a physician that didn't really believe in near-death experiences. Being a doctor in the medical field, she thought that once someone is clinically dead, they are dead. But the experience that she had in 1999 changed her complete outlook on life and on death itself. Dr. Mary Neal was planning a kayak trip in 1999 in southern Chile. And during this trip, they were actually going to kayak on a river that was pretty well known for its Grand Rapids and that had quite a bit of significant waterfalls on this river. As Mary was making her way down the river, she noticed up ahead of her a kayaker's boat had actually got stuck long ways and was blocking Mary's path. In order to avoid colliding with the other kayaker, Mary had to veer off her path and go straight towards one of the main waterfall drops. Immediately, Mary knew this was not going to end well. She went over the waterfall with her boat, and she became pinned and submerged under 10 feet of water. She was not breathing, and she could hear her bones breaking. She thought that she should be screaming, but she wasn't. In fact, She felt no pain, no fear, or panic. She felt more alive than she ever had. She felt her spirit peel away from her body and was then released up into the heavens. Once Mary reached heaven, she was immediately greeted by a group of beings. She didn't recognize them, but they had been important in her life somehow, like a grandparent that she never got to meet before. They were so happy and greeted her with overwhelming love and joy. The beings then started to lead her down a pathway. The pathway was covered with hundreds of thousands of flowers and the aroma of the flowers. Every color of the universe was represented. There was a shift in time and dimension. She claims to have experienced all of eternity in every second, yet, Every second expanded into all of eternity. The pathway eventually led to this giant dome structure. She had an overwhelming sense of being home. However, at the same time, she could look back at the river and see her body still stuck underwater. The group of kayakers that she was with were continuously trying to rescue her. The rescue effort went on for about 15 minutes. But by that time, the rescue effort had shifted into a body retrieval mode. There was almost no hope of her survival. Her body was eventually recovered when a man spotted her life jacket and went swimming for her life jacket. And as he was swimming to capture her life jacket from the river, he felt her arm brush against his leg where he reached down and grabbed her wrist. Her body was bloated and it was purple and her eyes were lifeless. She was physically dead. She watched the rescuers perform CPR from the entrance of the dome structure in heaven. 
She had been without oxygen for 30 minutes. She didn't want to return to her body, but the beings told her that it was not her time. Once her body was retrieved, the rescue team put her on a boat and carried the boat up the mountain and tried to find a tractor or something to help transport her to safety. Miraculously, when they came out onto a dirt road, there stood an ambulance as if it was just sitting there waiting on her, which was unheard of in 1999 in Chile. Once Mary was submitted to the hospital, her husband was told that she would probably not survive the night. She was in the hospital for months, receiving surgery and learning how to walk again. Statistically, she should have had a significant amount of brain damage. Once the brain has gone four to six minutes without oxygen, brain cells begin to get destroyed. But somehow Mary had a full recovery and received absolutely no brain damage from the accident. Now this was an amazing story because Mary literally had no chance of survival, and she knows that as a doctor. Not only had her legs sustained a remarkable amount of damage with broken bones and ligament damage, but she had literally drowned and been underwater for nearly 30 minutes. But perhaps what's more remarkable about this story is that it doesn't end after Mary's recovery. While Mary was up in heaven and outside of her body, the beings that was leading her around actually told her that it was not her time and that she had to go back, but they warned her of future events, and they actually warned her of the early death of her oldest son that had yet to happen. And this is a secret that she even kept from her own husband, and she certainly didn't tell her son. The beings didn't give her a specific date or time of when her oldest son would die, but for some reason Mary felt like he would never reach the age 18. As time went on, her oldest son's 18th birthday came and went, and he was still alive and Mary felt a great sense of relief. She said that you can't imagine what it's like waking up every day and wondering if today's the day that I'm going to lose my son. Sadly, however, although he survived his 18th birthday, her son was actually tragically struck by a car and killed later on, and I believe she said he was 19 years old at the time of his death. So again, let's take a look at the common factors in Mary's near-death experience with the other near-death experiences. When Mary was trapped underwater, she said she felt no fear and she was calm and she wasn't panicked. Well, this was a shared feeling among others after they had shortly died. They no longer feared death, but they were actually relaxed and felt as if they had gone home. And just like the other stories, Mary said that she was greeted by overwhelming joy of these beings and she said that she felt like these beings were somehow part of her life before either maybe a grandparent that she hadn't met or maybe perhaps these are some of those beings that she knew in heaven before she came to earth and Mary's story is also a great example of how she could look back and see her body and see what the rescuers were doing and Every single move, she could tell them what was going on, who did what, what the rescue efforts were. 
And Mary also mentioned being led down this path of flowers that was bright and colorful and just overwhelming with the aroma of flowers. This is another common occurrence among near-death experiences of seeing bright and vivid colors, only Mary's was represented by flowers along this pathway. And I hate that the premonition of her son's early death ended up coming true, but it further solidifies Mary's experience in the afterlife. If you found Mary's near-death experience as interesting as I did, then there might be a Netflix docuseries that you want to check out. The series is called Surviving Death, and the very first episode is all about near-death experiences. And in this very first episode, Mary is actually the first person that they interview, and she tells the story about her experience. There are also several news articles and YouTube videos of Mary being interviewed and recounting what she experienced that day. And you can kind of do your own research, but I will leave a few links to those resources in the show notes. And like I mentioned before, I will also leave a link to the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation website. And here they have an archive of nearly 5,000 of these near-death experience stories that you all can check out if you'd like to. So what do you all think about these near-death experiences? Do you think these people are actually going to paradise or heaven? Or do you think this is simply just a chemical reaction in the human brain? Regardless of the reasoning behind this phenomenon, you have to admit that this is quite an interesting topic. I don't think there's a single person on the face of the earth that isn't just a little bit curious about if there's an afterlife at all, and if there is, what happens there. And perhaps these near-death experiences raise more questions than give more answers. If people ascend to heaven very shortly after they die, within minutes, then what's with all the paranormal activity and paranormal evidence that we capture all the time? Are these people that didn't ascend to the heavens and they're somehow trapped here on earth and need help crossing over? That's a very good possibility. Or when we capture paranormal evidence, is this just an echo chamber of these people's previous lives and past energies and not actually communicating with their spirit because their spirit's actually up in heaven? I'm not sure what to really make of these near-death experiences. I do find it very intriguing that regardless of religious backgrounds, ethnicities, cultures, people seem to have a very similar experience across the board. This leads me to believe that maybe it is something a little more supernatural than it is within our brains. If someone who was agnostic passes away, why would they imagine going to heaven? It's not exactly shocking when someone who is extremely religious and 100% believes in heaven has one of these near-death experiences and says they went to heaven, but when someone who doesn't even believe in heaven says they went to heaven, it tends to raise a few questions. But that's going to do it for tonight's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know it's kind of different. It's not exactly a cryptid or UFO or a ghost story. But I do think it does kind of help us understand what happens in the afterlife. And I think it fits well within this podcast. Again, if you have a near-death experience that you would like to share, I would absolutely love to hear about it. 
like I said, I spent most of my day yesterday reading story after story, so I can't get enough of these near-death experience stories. So if you have an experience that you would like to submit, again, please visit our website at experiencesunexplained.com and click on the Submit Your Experience tab. And as always, be sure to check back in next week, Saturday at 9 p.m. for a brand new episode. But until then, you all take care, be safe, and be sure to keep your eyes peeled for anything strange or unusual. Have a good night, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.